morning we're going to look at another passage of Scripture. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. The title of the message is, My Eyes Have Seen Your Salvation. And now, as we're reading this passage of Scripture, I don't want you to miss the connection being made. It's important that we do not miss this connection. It's easy for us when reading the Scriptures just to go through it and then miss the connections that God has for us. Amen. So let's pay attention to this as we go. Alrighty, so let's go to Luke chapter 2, and we're look starting at verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem called who? Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Don't miss the connection. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom to the law required, Simeon took him into his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes, verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light to revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Now get this, he's blessing her, amen, it's a good thing. And then he says to her, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Isn't it true? When the word of God is preached and bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hearts of many are revealed. We know that. Amen. That's the way it is. And he goes on to say, and a sword will pierce your soul, your own soul too. Wow. What a message. They have to go through all of all of that. Experience. Experience that. Lord, we ask right now you'll touch each heart, soul, and mind. Open our hearts to your hearing your word, Lord. I pray that all the distractions will be put aside and that our hearts and minds will be focused upon who you truly are that we can celebrate. Amen. Not just your birth, but recognize the cross. Because, Father, without the cross, there is no real story. There is no account. There is no salvation or redemption and no hope for the future. Father, as Simeon looked forward to your coming, so we are to be looking forward to your second coming. And, Father, I pray you open our hearts and minds. We'll receive that this day. And you receive the glory and the honor as we yield ourselves more to you every single day of our lives. Amen. Well, let's see. The year is 1970. This graduate of Temple University, had his 67 Austin Healy sports car stolen. Now, after it was stolen, Bob Russell, he saved the original title, the keys to that car, and actually had memorized the, uh, the excuse me, the identification, vehicle identification number, VIN number. In May 2012, over 40 years later, he was sleepless one night. And what do you do when you can't go to sleep? Well, in this case, he went downstairs and started surfing the net. And he got himself on eBay. And guess what he found on eBay? He found his car. Well, after jumping through some hoops and uh, haggling over the price of the owner, he and his wife, Cynthia, actually flew out to California for the ownership of their vehicle, which they actually got and received on June 18, 2012. Now, he got his car back. It wasn't quite the same shape it was when it was stolen. It was in a pristine shape there. And the VIN plate had been removed. The glove box was broken. And, you know, uh, it just wasn't perfect like it was. It said it needed a whole lot of work. It had been over 40 years. What made the car real special, too, is it was that car that, well, his wife and he had the first kiss. And so, therefore, it was real important to him. He wanted that car. I figured, you know what? Not in good shape. I understand that. But you know, it's great to get it back. It needs a whole lot of work. We'll get it working. It's going to be back as it was. I started thinking, you know, here's this man, Bob Russell, who is devoted to his car. So much so that he keeps the keys, keeps the original title, and memorizes the VIN number. Shouldn't we then at least be looking forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ all the more? All the more. Oops. Too many times. 
In verse 25, it says, Now there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was, and I want you to see the connections here. He was what? Say it with me. He was righteous and what? Devout. He was waiting for the comfort, if you want to know the passage, the comfort of Israel. And notice this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We get this idea sometimes that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit at a time of salvation. Praise God for that. Amen. But to have the filling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, you know what? We just got to come down, lay on oil, and everything's going to be fine. Listen to, the, listen to the sequence here. Here was a man who was what? Righteous, which means he was in right relationship, not only with those around him, but also with his God, number one. And he was devout. That means he was single-minded. He was focused. Let's say he was, can we say he was narrow-minded? He was narrow-minded. And he was doing something too. He was looking forward to the blessed hope. He was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And because of that connection, the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's important. That's really very important. Let me ask you and toss out some questions to you. Here they are. Number one, are you looking for what Simeon was looking for? Number one. Number two, if you are, what changes are you making in your life as you wait? As you occupy? Number three, how should you then respond to Jesus who has had an impact on everybody? On everybody. Amen. On everybody. Pastors tells us in verse 25 that he was in fact, what was the kind of man? He was a righteous man. He was a man who was devoted. Waiting. Waiting. And it's so easy for us to miss the connection there in that passage of Scripture. We just read through Scripture sometimes and we don't catch the order of His waiting. He was looking for the Messiah. And because He was looking for the Messiah, He was committed, devoted, and He had right relationships, righteous and devotion to our God. And as a result, the Holy Spirit was able to work through Him and lead Him and guide Him. And there's the connection. There was that connection between waiting for this coming Messiah, amen, and the Holy Spirit touching his life and giving him insight as he would. See, as you seek more and more of Jesus, the Spirit of God will continue to point you to him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So notice it. Devotion, right relationships, right? Anticipating, looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and that becomes the formula, if it were, a formula for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives, not being grieved or quenched, but being able to reveal to us who Jesus truly is. And that's good news. Amen? And amen. Let's look at John chapter 15, verse 26, because I want you to see this. I want you to see the ministry. I want you to be reminded of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look at John tells us here. And the counsel, when the counselor comes, or the comforter, when he comes, whom I will send to you, who sends it? Jesus. When the Counselor or Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. So I'll tell you something. If you and I are living our lives as Christians and we kind of haggle over the Scripture a little bit and we compromise over here and we're 80-20 Christians, you know, 80% on fire, but at 20% we kind of cover up, keep it in the closet, then there's a problem here. We're not, we're not seeking truth. And part of that connection with the Holy Spirit touching and leading Simeon was that he was a student looking for the truth manifested through Christ. Amen. Spirit was doing something. When the Spirit comes, reference to the Holy Spirit, He's going to testify of Jesus. He's going to point people to Jesus. He's going to testify. Now I want you to understand too in that passage of Scripture that it was the Holy Spirit who was guiding. It was the Holy Spirit who was actually, well, giving guidance to Simeon to actually spend time and see Jesus. Now Jesus, uh, well... Simeon was actually told by the Holy Spirit that he was not going to die until he saw the salvation from the Lord, until he saw the constellation, until he saw the Messiah. Wow. See what being a devoted, righteous man will do? It'll open you up to the Word of God, allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and direct you and give you insight like you never had before. Wow. I chose this passage of Scripture, by the way, of Simeon, because I'm going to be very honest with you. 
when it comes to Christmas messages, we did a whole bunch of Christmas messages, and then we have one coming up, coming up next year, you know, next week, <laughs> next year actually, for the first of the year. And then I got this one Sunday smack dab in the middle. What do I do with it? You know, I can always talk about what happens after Christmas, bringing back all the presents. But I thought, you know, Simeon, that's perfect because Simeon actually Jesus was born, and now he's going to dedicate this child. Perfect. I'll talk about Simeon. And as a result, talking about Simeon, talk about salvation. Because truly, that's what it was all about. Amen. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you to all truths. He will guide you. Now, this was, here, here's what Jesus said just prior to His death. But when the Spirit comes, He will what? Guide you. Now, don't miss this. He will guide you to all... Not a, now, listen. He's not going to speak on His own. He's going to guide you to all truths. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. Now we sometimes look at that, oh, praise God, I want to know, the, I want to know, you know Revelation, I want to know the end times. <laughs> stop. We already know the end times. Jesus wins. We win with him. So don't stop paying attention to the signs of the times and wonders. Stop getting caught up in that. We focus on Christ. That's what we do. He's going to show us things to come in our own personal lives, in the lives of those around us, in ministry. That's what he's going to do. And notice this. Verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And I want you to see that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to catch on that. And I want you to pay attention to that. I don't ever want us to forget the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, because the Holy Spirit, he's just overjoyed when somebody begins to seek the Lord. When somebody wants to get closer to the Lord and really have that experience of knowing who Jesus truly is and allow the Spirit of God, the Lord then, that desire, that devotion, that righteous feeling, and the drive actually no longer is the Holy Spirit bound or quenched or grieved. He is now free to minister because all, we're all on the same page. He wants to reveal Jesus and we want Jesus to be revealed to us. There's a connection. Amen. And God begins to work in a mighty, mighty way. Now look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, moved by the Spirit. Okay, so the Spirit's leading him, guiding him. How many times in Scripture do we find the book of Acts where individuals who were righteous and devoted, how they, they were led by and guided by the Holy Spirit? They didn't say they were perfect, as we would define perfection, but they were being perfected. Amen. And the Holy Spirit would lead them and direct them. Scripture says, moved by the Spirit, who was Simeon was, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom the custom of the law required. See, that's, that's the work of the Spirit of the living God. To point us to Jesus. You're going to hear that quite often in this message. For us to be pointed to Jesus. That's what we need to be focused on. We get caught up in so much stuff. Now here's the thing. The Spirit of God is, is, is leading Simeon you know, to see Jesus. And, then, and Simeon gets a bonus. He gets to meet Christ's parents. Mary and Joseph. And so that's the first point of the message. Not when the Spirit leads you, you get, to Mary, Mary, you get to meet Mary and Joseph. But when you begin to look for Jesus, look to Jesus, focus on Him, amen, you're going to experience spirit-filled blessing. You will. Amen. Let me read you a passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It's just a little one. i got several other ones I want you to read, but notice what 14 says. Because those who are what? Led by the Spirit. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about Simeon being guided by the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, but those who are led by the Holy Spirit are what? Sons of God. Praise His holy name. How do you know that you're a child of the King? Because you kept His rules and regulations and certain things, you know? Because someone said you are. No, because you're being led by the Spirit. Why? Because you have made a commitment, a devotion, you made a devotion to Christ. To have right relationships, not only with the Lord, but those around us. You can't have a good relationship with the Lord. Don't tell me you're in right relationship with God when you hate your neighbor. When you've got a problem with somebody around you, and you have an attitude there, friction there, and destructive, and it's bitterness there, you cannot have a relationship with God. You have to be in right relationship. That's what righteousness is about, right relationships. Well, he got to meet the parents. He was led by the Spirit. He knows his Son of God. He was guiding. That's how you know your child of the king. Because why? He's guiding your life. Guide your life. Verse 15, For you do not receive the spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. 
I just understand how many people give their lives to Jesus and then they still walk their life in Christ in fear. I'm not talking about reverence for God, but in fear that somehow God's going to judge them and destroy them and things aren't going to work out good for them. That's how they live their lives. The Scripture says that's not the right spirit. You did not receive the spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of, say it with me, sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba Father, Daddy Father, basically. He's calling Daddy. That's a personal relationship. It's, it, it's personal. It's, it's, it's tenderness there. It counters this idea that we've got to serve the Lord out of fear. Oh, no. I mean, some of us had fathers that we raised with that I'll tell you what, when they walked into the room, you just kind of wanted to go someplace else because they were nasty, right? You know my dad. My dad always was a nice guy. It's just, you know, I should be killing the dead. I told him that to his face when he was alive. So it doesn't matter. But we have parents, we have situations in our lives where we just kind of shun a little bit, walk away. You don't want to get involved. But not with our Heavenly Father because we cry, Daddy. There's a relationship there. There's a sonship there. And so many of us give our lives to Christ, but there's so many I know throughout my years, I've watched it, they still walk around serving God out of complete fear. And I'll tell you, when you have that kind of fear of God, you won't want to get into His presence. You won't, it'll affect your worship. It'll affect the way you study Scripture. Because to get into the presence of God means you're vulnerable. And if you're afraid of His presence, you want to avoid His presence. But we need to be a people who encompass, are encompassed by His presence. Can you say amen? Sonship. That's what He says. We are sons. Amen. We call Abba Father we're sons. And look at verse 18. It goes a little bit further. Amen. He goes on this. The Son, the Spirit Himself testifies with your spirit that you are, a ch- you are God's children. So you have, you know that you know that you know. You're not walking around with a piece of paper saying, oh, look at this. I gave my life to Jesus. I have proof right here. No, no. It's the Spirit convinced. No, He is, he is speaking. He's confirming in your heart you know you're a child of the king. Even when you mess up, I'm a child of the king. I don't plan on doing it. I don't plan to keep doing it because I'm a child of the king. I want to please my heavenly father. Praise God. You did not receive the spirit, the scripture says, uh, of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, adoption. And that's what the spirit does. He adopts us. He, he, He signs, he Brings us into the family of God. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit isn't to give us a kind of tingling feeling when we're praising God or when we're worshiping. We get this idea that the Holy Spirit's kind of, you know, like a life force. No, He's a person. And the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into the family of God. Amen. So that we have complete, praise God, privilege, the privilege of being a son. In fact, I think Paul was actually probably referring to the Roman culture when he's talking about adoption because in the Roman culture, when a little boy was adopted into a family, that little boy became a son. And that meant that little boy, even though he was adopted at that point, not through natural birth, but adoption, he now was given all the privileges as if he was born into the family. And I think that's what Paul was talking about. He was relating to the culture of the day. And when he talks about adoption, he, he was letting them know. You've been adopted. That means you've been adopted into, listen, the promises, the blessings, everything that happened to a natural born child of the king, as a Jew, praise God, you have the same blessings, same privileges. The Spirit of God has taken you, which were formerly children of the evil one, the devil, in that moment you believed, amen, and, he, and the Spirit of God has placed you into the family of God. And now the Scripture says, Holy Spirit says, listen, you have all the privileges that belong to Jesus are now granted to you. Amen. The Spirit of self bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And the children of God, then we are heirs of God. Say to the person inside of you, if you know Jesus, you're an heir of the Father. You're an heir of God. Say it. And if nobody's sitting inside of you, just shout it. Come on now. You're an heir of God. You're adopted. Yes, we're adopted. We've been grafted in. We are heirs of the king. Amen. I started thinking. All right. Right about now, somewhere along the line, there's going to be a list of the top richest people in America, right? Thinking Forbes is going to do it, Bloomberg, whatever they're going to do it. 
came up with these top ten. I don't even know some of these guys. And I started thinking, what if I'm like in New York someplace, some big city, and these, one of these guys are there, and I see him crossing the street, and he's about ready to get hit by a car, and I'm able to run over there and save his life. Wouldn't that be neat? I would hope that he would be so thankful he would write me into his will. Just a little bit. You know? Wow! You know? Zuckerberg, you know, he's, he, I'm in his will. And then I started thinking, child of God, you're already in the will. You're already literally in the will of God. You're in God's will. That's important. And I don't really, I don't think we truly understand what that means. I don't think we truly understand that the moment you committed your life to Christ Jesus, He did something extraordinary for you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 puts it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, what? Blessed us in all heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many times does blessed or blessing come up in there? At least twice, right? I think, I think King James might even have three times. Blessed. Blessed. And that's, the, that's what happens in the moment that you make that commitment to Christ Jesus, both as Savior and as Lord. Positionally, Scripture says, you are now seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. In fact, verse 6 goes on to tell us of Ephesians 2, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Positionally, that's what's happened the moment we give our lives to Christ. We're sons, heirs of eternity. That's what Romans chapter seven, eight, chapter seventeen, chapter eight, verse seventeen says. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Now, here's the thing: if indeed we share in His suffering, in order that we may also share in His glory. be heirs with God. An heir with God, which means that all the blessings that Christ experiences, He shares with us. We've been adopted into the family of God. Ephesians 2 and 4 says this, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Look at that little word, rich. Ephesians 1.8 tells us, He has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. What causes this to happen? Remember that connection. There is this devotion, a devout, righteous life that is looking for the coming of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is now able to work within our lives and express, amen, to lavish on us with all understanding and wisdom because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free and we know the truth comes from Christ Himself, the Word of God, amen. And so He lavishes it with all understanding. So we read the Word of God, it means something to us. It reveals Jesus. I search the Scriptures not to find out what I should or shouldn't do in my life. I don't read through the Scriptures to figure out what law I'm supposed to keep. I search the Scriptures to know more of Him. To get to know more of Jesus. Amen. Because I settled the whole issue about guilt once and for all when I gave my life to Christ. I don't go go back there anymore. Not that I'm perfect. <laughs> no, no. Not at all. And, and, and some of you just be quiet. I won't tell you anything. I hear some, Amen! You know, praise God. He's right. He's right on. But He's lavished on us. All wisdom and understanding. Praise His holy name for that. Amen. You know, Paul, in, throughout the, right, his letters, will talk to you and talk to us about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Wow. The reason he speaks that to us and to those who he's writing the letters to is because he wants us to understand and those that would receive the letter and then we today because of who the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God has put us into the family of God, there are unsearchable riches of Christ available to us. He's elevated us up into heavenly places. And now we, hearing Him say, you're my child. And with you being my child, all that I am blessed with, all my promises are yours. You are. Amen. And the reason... Listen to me. You know, we look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. We say, you know, listen, we get a, can we actually, yes, because you're a child of the king, because you're an heir, you can approach the throne of God, the throne of grace with confidence. 
I see people giving their lives to Jesus. They name themselves Christ, but they, they get all wishy-washy. get all afraid of getting into the presence of God. Oh, I, you know, I, you know, my, oh my, I got to pray to God. I, you know, stop. Throne of grace. Confidence. Approach it. Get in. Look for His presence. Don't avoid it. You want to get into the presence of God? Then begin to share those around you who Jesus truly is. Begin to acknowledge Him in song and in word who He truly is. Don't serve God out of fear. You have no reason to. Not if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior. Not if you don't. Y'all be scared because of, you know. But if you know Jesus is Savior, then rejoice. Don't be afraid. You can approach the throne of grace with confidence so that you may what? Receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. I just want us to understand because the Spirit of the living God, through Him, because of Him, we've received tremendous blessings. When we seek Jesus, when we seek Jesus as an heir, as a joint heir with Christ, there are tremendous blessings available to us. Amen. And not only that, look at Ephesians chapter 5. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I underlined it just to understand. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means you are controlled by the Spirit. Not just in one setting, but your life. You're being controlled. That's what being a devout and righteous individual was. Simeon was, he was controlled by the Spirit, which means he was led. Now, he didn't lose his personality, but he was being led by the Spirit of the Most High. I wouldn't want you guys to lose your personality, because all your personalities kind of make me chuckle and your personalities give me insight to preaching you know what i'm gonna preach on next you know i just pick a personality and go for it that's why somebody said he's right he's preaching me i'm just preaching about your personality <laughs> but look at that don't get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the holy spirit means being controlled by the spirit that is not in the passage i put it there just underline it speak to one another notice this when you're filled with the, and i believe this i believe to really to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit is when you begin to speak one another hymns, songs, spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart unto the Lord. I'll tell you what, that opens you up to the Spirit's filling. There's a transformation change of your mind. Those are always giving thanks to the Father for everything. There it is right there. You cannot be Spirit-filled, truly Spirit-filled, if you're grumbling and complaining about something. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a tough one because this kind of, this kind of, <laughs> this makes it work. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the tough one. I wasn't going to put that up there. Because if we could get experience, oh, praise and be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm going to sing and I'm going to sing praises to Him. I'm going to give thanks to God for everything. Then he kind of prefaced what exactly what giving thanks for everything is. It's about the person sitting inside of you that you get ticked off at. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow. When we're spirit-filled, when we're controlled with that joy, a song comes out. There's going to be a song, praise and hymns. There's going to be a point where we're building one another up. We're acknowledging who our God is. We're free to worship Him. Not stuck. Amen. And we're submitting to God's authority. We're under His dominion. That's why we want that. We want to be under His authority. We want to be under His dominion. That's why we look to Jesus for spirit-filled blessings. Amen. And we'll submit one to another. I guess the question then is this, right about now, should be this. Are you really experiencing what it's like to be elevated into heavenly places? Are you there? Do you have the joy that the Lord's speaking of? I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. We talk about happiness. Happiness deals with happenings, right? When things are going good, when things are going bad, I'm down. But the joy of the Lord becomes our strength that regardless of what's going on, we move forward for Him. And that doesn't mean that we can't have a bad day. <laughs> the Lord promised that, man. Can you say amen? But even in the midst of it all, like David of old, we say, why am I, why are my hands hanging down? Come on, man. He's still on the throne. I can learn from this. He's teaching me something. He's not defining my place in him. No, no. Whether I'm out of steps with no, 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 no. He's teaching me something. I can learn something from him. He's my dad. 
He's, dis- he's disciplining me. He's revealing something that needs to change in my life. I don't need to freak out and feel like, oh, no, I'm abandoned. No, no, no. The fact is, that should cause me to feel even closer to him. Amen. Oh, listen to me. Are we experiencing that? Ah, do you have that thankfulness there? Do we have that submissive spirit to the Spirit of the Most High? Do, do you want to be someone who demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit? Do, do you love the joy and peace? On and on and on. Are you a child of the King? Praise His holy name. Because you know what? When you look to Jesus, these things begin to happen in our lives. He begins to change things in our lives. Let's look over, go back to Luke chapter 2. First thing is thankful. Scripture tells us that Simeon, at this point, he took Jesus into the arms. Amen. He took him into the arms. And what did he do? He praised, he praised the Lord. He praised the Lord for sending the Savior of the world. That's what he was doing. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have you now dismissed your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Thank you, Father. Thank you for sending the Savior. Do you wake up in the morning and are you thankful for the fact that God Almighty sent His Son? Savior. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Simeon? The Spirit brings him into the temple. He takes the Messiah up into his arms. He's holding in his arms the very one who is going to die for everyone, everyone who ever been born and who will be born. Can you imagine what that meant like? He's shed blood, which goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. How about the billions of people here on planet Earth? And Jesus died for every single one of them and us. Those that have been born, are being born, and are going to be born in the future. And Simeon's holding. He's an old man, and he's holding the Messiah in his arms. And that's when he says, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen, notice this, have seen your salvation. Seen salvation. He didn't come just for the Jew. He didn't come just for the for the gent just for the Gentile alone, but for all mankind. He came to rescue. He came to rescue. You know, during the summer we'll hear from time to time the tragedy of someone who accidentally drowned. Unintentional drowning. In fact, the Coast Guard says that unintentional drowning makes makes it the fifth leading cause of unintentional injuries and death in the United States. You know, you watch the movies and television shows, people out in the middle of the water or pool, whatever they are, and they're drowning. What are they doing? They're thrashing, they're up in the air, their hands are up, oh, you know, and they're crying out for help, right? doesn't happen that way. Coast Guard said it's impossible. The movies don't have it happen. It's not right. They got them yelling and splashing, waving. Coast Guard said it's very rare that a drowning person will ever yell for help. You know why? Because they're physically unable to call for help. Why? Because we're designed, notice this now, and there's some folks ought to get this, we're designed to breathe before we speak. And so when you're in that situation, you want to breathe. You don't have time to yell. And the idea of waving their arms, being focused, no, because the natural instinct for us is to put our hands down like this to try to get out of the water, not wave around and say, here I am. If you do that, what's going to happen? You're going down. Drowning people cannot voluntarily move towards the rescuer, reaching out to get that piece of whatever. Drowning people don't get that way. Now, if they have a life jacket on, yes, but not without a life jacket, they can't. So you see, you see these rescuers thrown off this whatever it is on the surface, you know, and then the people just, you know. No. A struggling person only has about 20 to 60 seconds before they drown. You say, well, Pastor, what's the point? We're helpless in rescuing ourselves. We can't yell for help. We can't get ourselves above the water. And we can't reach out and grab something. It has to all be done for us. It's going to take someone with experience to help us out. And that's exactly what Simon was saying. I, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. So that is what's going to take. 
<laughs> it's me. I'm back again. Look at these verses. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. And then drop down to verse 12 of John 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Notice how Luke 2, the prophecy was, you have prepared a woe, a light for revelation, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus said in John 8, 12, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now folks, I'm going to step into something. Here we go. There's been this raging debate been going on as long as I can remember. It's all about who did Jesus die for? Did he die just for the elect? Did he die just for those that were chosen before the foundations of the world? Or did he actually die for everybody who was born on this planet? Who did he die for? I believe an unlimited atonement which simply means he died for all people everywhere. He said, well, why do you believe that? Because I happen to believe that's what the Bible teaches. See, the Bible shows us that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for all people. And it tells me, it shows me that the cross, amen, the cross expresses the heart of God, the heart of God, which is an all-encompassing loving heart that Simeon understood. Let's look at some verses here. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you. They will what? Secretly introduce what kind of heresies? Destructive heresies. Even denying the sovereign Lord who's what? This is important now. Did he, he what? Bought them. Who did he buy? Who, who did he buy? Who to redeem? No, 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 no. False prophets and false teachers. You follow this. Bringing swift destruction on themselves. Get this now. Now think about it. False teachers and false prophets. What does Jesus say he's done? He said he, he well, now I'll tell you what. When it comes to false teachers and false prophets, uh, if there's anyone who's quote unquote not elect, it's them. Right? Can't be. So here we have these two groups. False teachers, false prophets. And of these two groups, the Scripture says, He has what? Bought them. Which means He provided for them salvation. He gave them the opportunity. But, did they receive it? No. And as a result, they're bringing swift destruction upon themselves. In other words, what it's saying is Jesus, when He died on the cross, He shed His blood for all mankind. He had all mankind in mind. Even the false teachers and false prophets, everybody, amen, those who were born thousands of years before the born, he was born in, in, with a virgin, from a virgin, amen, and extends through his entire lifetime and to all those who get to be born. Jesus died for everyone and every person, even the ones, now notice this, even the ones that would deny him, even the ones that would misrepresent him, Jesus still died for them. Let's go over to John. Now, this is important. First John chapter 2. My dear children, who's he talking to? Talking to children of God, right? Heirs, the king. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. All right? Don't put your will over my will, over God's will. But he says this, I know I don't want you to sin, but you're going to. But if anyone does sin, you say, that's close. And he's got some wiggle room here. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Who is that? The mediator, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Notice verse 2 said, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then look what he says here. Not only for ours, who? Children of God. But for what? But also for the sins of the, of the whole world. That's why I believe in unlimited atonement. The Bible teaches it. It's not just for a select few. It's not those predestined. No, it's for the whole world world, those that would. 
Not one is destined. No one is destined to or predestined to hell. When Christ died on the cross, He cried out. And He tells us that the way of salvation was, well, finished, paid in full. When Jesus died on the cross, He made provision for everyone who was ever born, whoever will be born, whoever is born, if they'll be a Christian. You say, well, how does someone become a Christian? It's real easy. Pretty simple. Understand what Jesus has done. Scripture says you believe in your heart the Lord Jesus died and rose again. With your mouth. Confess it though. You're right, Nancy, because I was just going to leave it. You've got to confess it. Because a lot of people walk around here. Like between me and God. <laughs> no. No, when you have a salvation of God in your life, it's like a fire shut up in your bone. You've got to tell somebody. Because why? Because you're narrow-minded. Look at the first society. As a Christian, I'm narrow-minded. And, and I'll tell you what, people are going to tell you, oh, you're narrow-minded. Say, praise God, I am. I am narrow-minded. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyways, so here it is. When Jesus, he's on the cross, the scripture says, and I want you to catch this, everybody, he loved you to the extent that he would die for you. Amen. And, and, and praise God, he became our substitution. He went to the cross, take our sin. So that's why from noon to three o'clock, there was this darkness over the whole land and why the father would turn his back on his son and why Jesus would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you understand? Do we understand that the moment, that that very moment, the sin of the world was placed on Jesus Christ? Jesus submitted at that moment. He submitted to the plan of the Father. That's what He did from eternity to eternity. He would be the sin bearer. He would be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And it doesn't say He would take away the sins of the elect or the predestined. He would take the sins of the world. And Jesus himself actually made a prediction in John chapter 10. Look what he says here. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, that you might have it to its full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. Jump down to verse 17. The reason my father loves me is that I lay my life down only to take it up. Nobody, he says, takes away, takes my life from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This command I received from my father. I have the power. I have the power to lay my life down and pick it up. I have my life, I conquered death. And the reason why we get we receive the gift of life from the Father, from Jesus, is because He conquered death. He died for you and I. He died for us personally. And doing so, He demonstrated God's love. He demonstrated He was also God by His resurrection. So now He's alive. He can offer us the gift of eternal life. That gift of eternal life which was received by faith to all those that will. Amen. And so He is alive. He can offer this gift. Who did Jesus die for? He died for the world. Verse 2. But also for the sins of the whole world. The whole world. The whole world. Wow. The whole world. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus wants us to be so close to Him that you choose not to sin. That's what He wants. Us to be so focused on Him and His life and so grateful for what He's done in our life that we don't want to see Him. We'll choose not to see Him. But if we do, if we do, we've confessed our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, we talked about that. Remember, Simeon was guided by the Holy Spirit was led by the Holy Spirit so he could embrace the Christ child. And the reason why the Spirit of God was able to work in his life because he was not grieved or quenched because he was a devout 
and righteous man. And all the scripture says, when there's sin in our life, we're unrighteous. We have a broken relationship, maybe with people around us and ultimately with our God himself. And the scripture says, confess that sin. Why? And he'll be faithful not to beat you up and use it over and over. No, faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and then purify you from all unrighteousness. Why is that important? Because right relationships allows the Spirit of God to work through our lives. Right relationships allows us to worship and praise him. And when there's things in our life, bitterness, anger, fear, whatever it is, that's unrighteous. It's not like Him. It doesn't reflect Him. And therefore, it grieves and quenches the Holy Spirit. You want to be a Spirit-filled church that worships and praises the Lord, stands to your feet and shouts glory, hallelujah, not because it's emotional stir, but because the Spirit of God is within you, like a fire shut up in your bone, then get rid of the unrighteousness. Focus on Him. Be devoted to Him. Becoming more like Him. Allow the Spirit of God to over, be overjoyed. Just over overjoice of the fact that you desire to know more of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Is that okay? Okay. We have an advocate. That's what the scripture is saying. We have an advocate, a go-between, if you will, between us and the Father, Jesus Christ himself. John 2, 2 tells us that he is what? He is the atonement. He is the atonement. Amen. He was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Did you know that God is angry? He's angry at the wicked. That's just the way it is. So, Pastor, what do you mean that? That's what Ezekiel tells us. The soul who sins is the one that who will die. There's no question about that. We can try to cover it. We can try to smooth it and try to. The soul that sins is going to die. And we've talked about the soul. We talked about the soul as. Mind, will, and emotions. And when our mind, will, and emotions are focused on the Lord, we're focused on ourselves. That brings us in a place of sin. It's unrighteous. And we've got to get that out of our lives because first of all, spiritually we'll begin to die and then ultimately physically we'll die without the presence of our king. Thank God that you're still, <laughs> you still have the opportunity to experience God's grace and his mercy because you're breathing. Amen. How do you satisfy the wrath of God? Because he's a just God. How do you satisfy the justice of our God? The answer simply is Christ himself. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only us, but also for all of, all of mankind. Amen. Everyone. Let's go back to our final point. Jesus' impact upon everyone. I'm going to make the statement. I want you, first you say, ah, but think about it. You'll never meet anyone who will not in some way or shape or form be impacted by Jesus Christ. Everybody on this planet, everybody at some point will be impacted by Christ. Now we could debate that and discuss it. What about the people back there in a crazy background? Listen, I have a theory about that too. There's no one who ever been born or will be born that will be separated from Christ in the sense of not having no interaction with Him. Because Christ's life impacts everybody. Because look what happened when, when Simeon was talking to Mary and his father. They marveled at what he was saying. What was Jesus saying? What, what was he saying about Christ? Well, you can imagine now, here comes, here comes Joseph and Mary. They're obedient to the law. They bring their, their five shekels of silver to redeem their son like they're supposed to. They're having him circumcised on the eighth day. Let me slide note this here. Parents, there's this misnomer among parents. We run into it once in a while. I'm not going to tell, teach my children any religion. I'm going to let them kind of, they get old enough, they figure out what they want. I'm not going to bring them to church. I'm not going to expose them to any of that stuff, you know. Let them make their own decisions. What does Proverbs 22, 6 say? Chain a child which he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. Mary and Joseph actually are a great example of what parents need to do. And there's a reason why children are called children. Because children need parents, they need adults, they need authority, they need someone showing them the right way. And so Mary and Joseph are examples, perfect, excellent examples of parents who are committed to the things of the Lord. They wanted to fulfill the law. They wanted Jesus to be brought up right so, that, so that's what they're doing. They're bringing him to the temple. Later on, they're going to bring him to the synagogue. But they're going to train him up. The scripture talks about that. How that he grew older and older and wiser, etc. He's being trained. 
is the word of God. Yes, but he's fully God, fully man. And so he's being trained, taught. All we do is follow the example. And notice how that they're listening. The parents of Mary and Joseph are listening to Simeon. And they're hearing that he, in fact, that, that Jesus is the Savior of mankind. He was the one. He was the one who's come for the, for the Jew and for the Gentile. Like he was, and they're marveling at what he said. And you would think Mary would not be marveling like that with her experience at this point. But she's marveling the fact that he's to be the Savior of the world. And then, of course, Scripture says, Simeon blessed them. You know, if I was Mary and Joseph, I was going to leave it right there. Okay. Bless me. Thank you. But he says to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Okay, what does that mean? And then he goes on to say, well, we'll get to that. Think about it. That falling, this judgment is going to come. Judgment is going to come on those who reject him. At some point, those who reject him are going to visit the white throne, the great white throne judgment. They're the ones that are going to be banished from the very presence of God forever. Even Jesus' own generation who didn't believe him are going to experience the wrath of God because, in fact, we know history-wise that the Jews were about, they were about to see the Romans just demolish, decimate Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about ready to be decimated. But then Scripture goes on to say he's also going to be a rise of many. There are many who are going to experience salvation. Salvation is going to come to the prostitute. Salvation is going to come to the leopard. Salvation is going to come to those who are cast out and downtrodden. He's going to bring salvation to all those who would believe in him. I said a few moments ago that you know people are going to call us narrow-minded. Well, it's true. We are. Look at Scripture. In fact, the path to salvation is a narrow path. It's, it's a hard road. That's why it's a narrow road. It's a hard road. That's what Jesus would say. Amen. He goes and says this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, look what he says here. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Look at Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. I, I'm getting People say, follow your heart. Oh, just follow your heart. That's all. What does your heart tell you to do? Scripture talks about the heart. Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs says this. He who trusts himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Look at Jeremiah said, verse chapter 17. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Wow. Who could understand it? He wasn't even talking about wisdom at that point either. No, I'm talking about the heart. Who can understand? <laughs> Narrow way. You know, it reminds me about this drunk. We're getting ready to close this thing down. But this drunk, he gets on this boat, um, gets on his bus, he staggers down the aisle. He finds himself sitting inside of this woman who's clenching her Bible. And uh, she looks at him. She looks at him up and down. She's got that look, that self-righteous look on her. He's a drunk. She's got the Bible. And she looks at him and she says, Sir, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you something. You're going straight to hell. And he gets up and goes, Oh, no! I must have got on the wrong bus! <laughs> he jumps out. Jesus said, The way is narrow. Amen. Which leads to God. And then Jesus would go on to say that He, in fact, was the only way. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He talked again about that narrow gate. That narrow gate, which is a gate. Amen. Which is, it's a tough walk. Listen to me. You give your life to Jesus Christ. It's not going to be all better roses. It's a tough walk. Amen. Like I said to you, people can call us narrow-minded. And we are. We are narrow-minded. Amen. We're narrow-minded because we say there's only one God and it's only through Jesus Christ that you can accept and be brought into His kingdom. Period. That's it. And so we're going to have difficulties. I know that Jesus had some difficulties, did He not? They crucified Him. Did Mary and the family have difficulties? Yes, they did. In fact, Luke would say, so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. Right. 
listen, it's going to happen. There's going to be that difficulties that are there. But nonetheless, it's the only path we are to embark on. And the only way we get through is through Christ Himself. I said in the beginning of the message that we are to stop looking at the so-called signs of this world. Simeon looked to Jesus. And that was our first point. Looked to Jesus and His coming and was spirit-filled with blessings. You know, Simeon was looking for the first coming of Jesus, the first advent. You and I are now looking for the second advent, the coming of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says here, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. I love that passage, seeing him face to face. You know, so many people today, naming Christians, etc., who are looking for the hand of God. They want the provision of God. They want the healing of God. They want the blessing of God. They want the hand of God. Very few want to look into his eyes. And you know why? Eyes are the windows of the soul. And when you look into his eyes, you see deep within him. And when he looks into your eyes, your soul is bare, open bare. And you know yourself, when there's something in your life and you feel guilt, you just look away. But the scripture, you don't see it. We're going to see him eye to eye, face to face. Amen. Many people today want the hand of God. Although we may be like Simeon and want to see the look into his eyes. And him look into our eyes. Amen. And amen. Praise his holy name. You can embrace Jesus with the arms of faith today. You can receive him as Lord and Savior. I'm going to tell you that it's important that you do. Because he's coming again. He's coming again. Man tells a story. I'll close down with this. He went to a train station. He made this observation. He saw a whole lot of folks that were getting off of the train, meeting their family members, and they were excited, you know, and loving and holding one another, giving kisses, etc. Just glad to see each other. But as he watched that scene, he also noticed something else. He also noticed a man in handcuffs being led into the train. And amidst all the joy and all the excitement of of reunions of the families, there was one man in cuffs being led away whose family was there, whose children was there. But they were weeping and wailing as he's being led away. And the man made the observation. He said, you know, that's an awful lot like what's going to happen at the coming of Jesus Christ. There's going to be a whole lot of joy and celebration and the grand reunion as we meet our loved ones who've gone on before the Lord, etc., But at the same point, there's going to be a whole lot of sadness because there's going to be a whole lot of people who are bound and cast and cast in the outer darkness. See, what we do with Jesus depends on what Jesus does for us depends on what we do with Him. We can accept Him or can reject Him. We can crown Him or we can crucify Him. But folks, you cannot ignore Him. Because he is the Christ of destiny. A little babe. The Christ of destiny. And and I want to encourage you to do something this week. In your time of devotions and prayer. I want you just a little assignment. Just look to our Lord and just say this little simple thing. Lord, let me see you. Let me know you personally. Come on, just do that. Just do that. Because we saw here in passage with Simeon, that attitude that he had allowed him to be opened up to the Spirit. Spirit-filled life. To be led, to be guided. It affected everything in his life. Lord, let me see you. Let me know you personally. I don't want to know about you. I want to know you personally. I want to know you personally. I want to know you personally. See, I want you to know. I want you to know him. I want you to experience the Spirit of the living God. I want you to to think about his imminent return. I want your eyes to be towards him. That's what I want. Not out of fear, but out of admiration. Admiration. When you do that, he's working in your life. He'll, he'll turn on lights so you can understand. The word of God will come alive to you. Worship will mean something. And the songs, the relation. That's what relationship is all about. You'll understand that. He'll begin to lead you and guide you. He'll give you the guidance that you need for life. For those hard times. And you got just a simple assignment. Just start walking with Jesus. Just walk with Him. Strive with a heart of devotion, heart of righteousness. 
right relationship. Let the Lord be Lord. And the promise is that the Holy Spirit's ministry is to reveal to you more of Jesus. And He'll do that. And He'll open up an abundance of gifts. Praise God. The anointing. There's so much more that will happen because you're now focused on ministry. You're focused on Christ. And then other people will come to know Him. The fire shut up in your bones. Amen. You've been wonderful today. Thank you for inviting me back again. <laughs> hey, it's hard. i got a big schedule. You know, i got to kind of figure this thing out. I'm worldwide. We're going to close right now. We're going to go some songs here and, and some worship songs I put in place. The altars are open for worship. I want us to praise Him a little bit as the songs are playing. We can worship. We can sing. Just kind of let's get into an atmosphere of worship. We need to. Crossroads, we need to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen? We need to do that. Praise his holy name. Can we do that now? Bobby, are you ready? Go for it. Experience the power of our God. Can you speak to us? Amen. Father, we want to thank you for the day you've given to us. The word, Lord, that hearts and minds be directed to you. Let's take the heart, the words that were spoken. Holy Spirit, continue to lead and direct us. Let anything within our life that does not reflect you, that brings fear into our life, whatever else might come that would separate us from you, reveal it, Lord. And by your grace and mercy, as we now get that out of our lives to be more like you in all things. We love you a bunch. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, you're just...